0: what So I had an opportunity. To go see some places, some extraordinary places, I still want to go to, to see Palmyra. And there's an article on 21st Century Wire, and it's by Professor Tim Anderson, I believe. It was one of the election monitors. By the way, Syria had an election this week. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't covered in the West because the West doesn't uh, recognize uh, the government in Syria uh, because it's not the one that they like. So they, they just ignore it. And they say it's illegitimate, and they've completely blacked out the fact that the country had uh, elections last week. So Tim Anderson uh, wrote a great piece. He threw up to Palmyra. We're going to try to get Tim on the show next Sunday. He's one of the election monitors. I believe believe he's teaching at a university in Australia. And uh, he was one of the election monitors in Syria. Great article. Um, Also looking at the personal account there on the ground. Very interesting observations. And obviously this is a guy who really has been studying the geopolitics of the region better than, is good or better than anybody I've seen, uh, Professor Tim Anderson. So we'll try to get him on the show. That's that's up at 21stCenturyWire.com and uh, his experience in Palmyra as well. I'm very interested to, to, to see that myself firsthand and um, look at the damage and also to just learn more about... Uh, that part of, of the world. So we have a similar site here in Baalbek, which is, uh, in north, north of the Beka Valley in, uh, Lebanon. It's only a couple of hours out of Beirut. So I, uh, got in touch with a, a driver and, uh, he took me down this week, uh, to, uh, a place called, an, an area called Nabatae, which is down by, uh, basically by Israel. Uh, which some people here still call Palestine, which is being occupied uh, by the Zionist entity known as Israel. So I guess it depends who you talk to, who recognizes Israel. Um, And I also had a chance as well, one of the byproducts, unfortunately, of the creation of the State of Israel was that it displaced a lot of uh, the natives. Uh, In this case, we're talking about the Palestinians. And I went to a refugee camp, uh, which is uh located on the outskirts of um Beirut it's, uh one of them is uh, uh Sabra and Shatila and it's a big one and um was very kindly escorted in there uh by kind of a guide of of sorts on foot um earlier in the week and uh it's it's one of the most densely populated places i've ever seen i don't know how many people live in there but this is an area that's much smaller than a square mile much smaller than a square mile and this it must be at least 250,000 people crammed in there not all palestinians a lot of syrians uh now have moved into um some of those camps and uh, but they they were established in 1949 you know in the the exodus or the nakba as the Palestinians refer to the uh, ethnic cleansing or displacement of uh, native Palestinians uh, in order to create the state of Israel, so uh, this is uh, unfortunately something that uh, many countries—Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, uh, Egypt, uh, among others—but I think those are the main ones that have had a series of re- Palestinian refugee camps. The 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 poverty. And the quality of living in those, uh, I have to say it's shocking, um, but, uh, but there's a huge sprawling market that runs right in the middle of it. And it's, it's one of the most vibrant markets, probably, if not the most vibrant market I've ever been to in my life. And, uh, and I met some really lovely people and incredible people, very friendly. Um, and uh, we shared a couple of the photographs from from that foot trip. Uh, up with our our, our donors, uh, Twenty One Wire uh, supporters. Uh, I've sent uh, sent that out. I don't know if that email has been circulated yet, but if it if not, you should get it shortly. But uh, and I did post on Facebook a couple of pictures too. Um, but yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. Uh, interesting, very interesting. Now um, back to Nabatea, South Lebanon. So there was a war, a couple of wars uh, for this territory. Israel occupied uh, South Lebanon for many years. Uh, I believe they took uh, control of a piece of Lebanon in 1982, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, had to let it go in 2000. Uh, They were basically driven out uh, by Hezbollah, the resistance, uh, which started off as a a militia and developed into uh, quite a formidable fighting force. And I believe they wore the IDF down to a point where they had to withdraw from South Lebanon. Obviously, this wasn't just about Hezbollah; it was about the people who lived there. Um, and the Israelis had checkpoints set up. People eventually broke through those checkpoints, and the sort of occupied, military occupation that Israel had going for so long, they had to basically pack up and go. Now, I went up and to to, to kind of learn more about this, and was taken up in the into the mountains. Uh, in this part of uh, South Lebanon. and uh, saw some really interesting places just miles away where I could see Israeli settlements. And uh, we interviewed uh, and I spoke to my guide. I recorded some of this, including a tour through uh, a military bunker, underground uh, Hezbollah bunker. This is open to the public by the way, but not everybody would uh, or go, go, would go there because a, it's remote and B, um, if if they were, you know, scared that, you know, something was going to happen. But, yeah, there's, they, they even have a museum set up. You, you can talk to their guides. They'll take you around, show you everything. Now, some people might say this is propaganda. It's Hezbollah propaganda. And uh, I, my answer to that is um, it, it very well may be, but it's, it's nothing. If you've ever watched a NATO, have, has anybody out there ever seen any of NATO's Promotional videos. You've seen any of the DVDs, or, <laughs> or seen any of the stuff that the U.S. puts out, or any of the commercials for Northrop Grumman, or you know that run on CNN. Uh, um, if you've seen any of this stuff, or the sort of uh, joint force strike force, you know, if or you've been to the arms show at the Excel Center in London, you want to talk about propaganda, um, whatever Hezbollah. <laughs> whatever they're doing down there in uh, Melita is the name of the village. It's very, very small compared to the war machine, the military industrial complex. If you want to talk about propaganda, wow, uh, there's really no comparison. So it may be small propaganda, but it's, it's nothing uh, compared to what we have to endure on a daily basis. uh, If you live in the United States, for instance. So, but what's interesting is they preserved a lot of stuff that you know I've never seen a real work. This is like a working—I I don't know if a museum is the right word—but uh, they left all the camps intact and all the firing uh, mortar sort of bunkers, uh, sniper bunkers. And I, and I got I got to go in them, and uh, in some cases they've it's they're I guess decommissioned. Uh, this is not a hot contested fighting area, but it's really. Informative to say the least. So I'm going to share some of that with you. Now we took that. We took about it was a couple hours drive uh, down there, and uh, also visited uh, Crusader Castle. That I think was uh, taken over in the ele- I don't know if it was the 11th century, uh, probably the ninth no 10th century. I believe I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I think it would be the tenth 10th, 10th century maybe or the 12th century. I can't remember 11 something. Uh, this Crusader castle was was taken over and occupied for the Crusades. The Israelis actually took this castle at this very strategic point. Beaufort Castle, Shkif Castle in Arabic uh, will be the pronunciation, and uh, we went there too. I'm going to share some of this with you now. So here we are. Uh, we're we're up up at Melita, and you can Google this. Uh, you can go see it. It's all there. Um, but uh, and and he's talking about. I was with my guide. And he's telling me how they they basically dug the tunnel by hand while there's a war going on, and uh, it, it was absolutely incredible. Just these are just a few little vignettes, if you will, of uh, of the tour through there. This is about two thousand meters in altitude, so it's pretty high up. So we could see them. You can see the Mediterranean, uh, but you can also see the edge of the Golan Heights. So this is very near where. Syria, Israel, and Lebanon are the borders meet. So, literally over the mountain is the Golan Heights in uh, in Syria. So here we go. This is with uh, my guide up at Melita. We're, we're looking at uh, what's been left behind from the war between Lebanon and Israel. So we're here. Uh, so, what would you call this area here that we're in right now? Is this the uh, bunker bunker the, area?
1: This is the military uh, outpost. Uh, of Hezbollah during the Israeli occupation between, 1970, between 1982, let's say, until, nine, until 2000. Until 2000, okay. yes. And that's when this even area... 2006, because the, the Hezbollah was staying here until 2006 after the last war with the Israelis. So this was an This was today a let's say a touristic site. For the military resistance, was also called Hezbollah. So they dug, they, they dug these
0: trenches out.
1: Yes, all by hand. Oh, All, by all hand. tools, because you cannot bring machines here, and the Israeli outposts are facing you. Right. So they have dug everything here secretly. So, um, so it, so,
0: just repeat that. You, um, they walked by foot from, yes. from down there, from the um, valley. Yes. And then walking
1: for hundreds of meters, maybe kilometers, for hours. Putting other bags, all the tools they need all the stuff they, they, they need to survive back like food, gas, everything to prepare the food.
0: How high up are we right now in elevation about uh,
1: I think I think the, the altitude here is at least 1,200 uh, meters at least here right
0: And so this was the last. This was the sort of the the border if you will of
1: this it's not a border but one of the outposts of the resistance where which was used to face the israel outposts and the other sides nearby the border and in the, uh, nearby the occupied zone
0: and so how how far um, are we to the israeli border right now
1: Uh, No, if you want direct line, maybe you are one kilometer. Okay, really? Direct line, or two kilometers.
0: Oh, because we're, because of the mountains, yeah, okay. So this was full in the, 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 full of fighters.
1: Direct line, I think, to the border, it would be around three kilometers.
0: So this this area here so when they so were, they were talking early about the oak providing cover for natural cover, yes. so so they couldn't do any surveillance or they couldn't see the fighters
1: 100% in,
0: in here yeah and so this would have been full of activity
1: uh, natural fortified sites yeah and a well equipped site yeah soldiers here fighters i think they used to stay for days here so imagine that, bringing with them the ammunition, food, everything, food, and beverage to survive for days. And who, who was the um, the name of the leader before
0: you said was was assassinated here?
1: Uh, Abbas al-Musawi.
0: And he died here?
1: No, he didn't thing? die here. He used to come here, walk like the, with the militants, mm-hmm. and we used to pray with them, pray with them and, teach, and give them uh, religious le- lessons. At the same time, he used to, let's say, some kind of uh, support. For these soldiers who used to leave this area to fight to make say to uh, uh, make certain military operation against the Israelis, used to stay here to some kind of uh, support,
0: like counseling yeah. and spiritual. Yes, yeah. yeah, spiritual
1: okay. counseling. That I'm here with you at the front,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not saying, sitting behind the office and. Observing monitoring,
0: and so he died, and then uh, he has, was
1: assassinated. He was
0: assassinated then, in
1: 1991, uh, and he was succeeded by his eminent uh, Hassan Nasrallah, who is still today the the leader of the Hezbollah mm-hmm. the resistance. See over there.
0: Oh yeah, I see the uh, got the cover.
1: It's an impressive site. Impressive Yeah. Is it camouflage? Camouflage
0: for the, uh, yes. So it's fake rock.
1: Yes. Yeah. The resistance, they used to use it to, add, to uh, attack the Israelis and their, uh, let's say, uh, their SLA yeah. agents. Yeah. Controlled opposition. Yeah. Or oh, you can see something really interesting. Imagine dug- digging over a span of three years, 1,000 men dug and prepared it in rotation, excavating over 350 square meters of rocks and soil, weighing, weighing al- almost 1,000 tons. They were dispersed under tree over, trees over an area of more than 4,000 square meters, making it difficult for the enemy air observation to discover. After completion, the Milita Tunnel was transformed in, into a military base dubbed by the resistance fighter as the point, which included several sections and rooms. Moreover, it was linked to a water supply and was equipped with electricity, safety devices, and ventilation, allowing more than 7,000 fighters to use it as a base to resist the enemy in that area. Impressive, digging by hand, and moving out the stuff everywhere.
0: Okay, so we're we're walking. We're about to walk into the bunker. So this is dug dug under basically the hill uh, at Melita. So this was a Hezbollah resistance bunker. We're walking inside right now, so it's going to get a little echoey. So this was the uh, this was the secret to their one of the secrets to their success they were invisible ghosts Ghosts. they're ghost fighters so I don't know how long this tunnel goes for but it should be uh, I think we're, we're probably about probably at 30 feet under the surface probably but yeah this is reinforced steel so I'm in a bunker with reinforced steel steel beams 30 feet under the hill this is a former Hezbollah base, and uh, this was used to launch attacks against the IDF and their outposts, sleeping quarters, wow, everything.
1: everything room, kitchen,
0: electricity, <laughs> probably running water. This is pretty impressive. Praying room. The praying room, Wow. It's basically So they could stay under here for f- Days Months, months. months. Yeah
1: yes.
0: Wow It's just a fully Fully organized Military basically yeah. So the military
1: base Feed military base these to follow up all the operation. So
0: this is the war room, I guess. Wow. Gosh. They have ventilation, everything. Computer room. Wow. Incredible okay so that was uh, that, w- that was it. that was the un- underground bunker uh, f- heavily fortified site and you could see you know it pretty much impervious to any airstrikes uh, and this is basically up in there completely covered oak hillsides mountain mountain tops and uh, you can it also got very cold up there in the winter I think uh, snow freezing temperatures um, tough terrain for fighting uh, so these guys were pretty tough i would say in terms of uh their ability to withstand the elements uh but also to withstand a superior military force and israel's got one of the most powerful military forces in the world that's uh, uh not debatable it's it, most people accept that as fact but yet they repelled them and i think this was a war of attrition it was also a public relations war because uh, as it dragged on as the casualties mounted um and Also, as the international community became more uh, noticing this uh, as, as a kind of something that shouldn't be happening, uh, eventually it ended. So uh, in 2000, I think it was May 25th, 2000, uh, Israel announced uh, its withdrawal from South Lebanon, uh, the occupied uh, part of Lebanon, and uh, Hezbollah claimed a huge victory at that point. So... Anyway, moving on out of the bunker, uh, then we went to the rest of the site and uh, they've still got, you know, spent munitions laying around, Israeli uh, tanks uh, that were blown up or left behind, uh, lots of Israeli gear, uh, guns, um, you know, mortars and jeeps, uh, cluster bomb remnants as well, which is a little bit disturbing to look at those firsthand. I've done a few reports on cluster bombs recently, but to see it uh, and to sort of see that it's kind of a nasty uh, creation there. Um, so, yeah, there's quite a lot, I think four million of those. And we'll talk, uh, the, one of the, uh, the, the the guides told us about this. We'll cover that. Uh, so we'll go back to the, uh, we came out of the bunker and now we're, we're sort of going across uh, uh, the sort of face Of the hill uh, just outside that bunker, so I'm going to play with you. And also, this was what they would call a hybrid war or hybrid warfare. In other words, guerrilla warfare to protect, uh, to defend your land, rather than sort of guerrilla warfare to so overthrow a government or take over. Uh, This is sort of different, uh, sort of different style of warfare, really. And a lot of people came and studied this as well. Uh, a lot of international military schools uh, use this as a case study, uh, so any of you in the military will be aware of that. Obviously, because you might, might have studied this uh, event. So we'll go ahead and listen to more commentary here. Back to the uh, the tour of this decommissioned and uh, former battle zone site. So, so this so this war between lebanon and israel so hezbollah developed a hybrid strategy so it's like a, it's it's a defensive strategy protecting your land but using guerrilla
1: tactics. tactics that's right
0: yeah and so you're saying that people studying this the
1: new military school
0: other people have studied this yeah
1: new military studies
0: and this is what's happening in syria right now
1: yes and everywhere
0: What were, you, what were you going to say before you? You're about to start to tell me something, and I interrupted you. You were saying earlier um, about the... Uh, uh, so it's the afternoon call to prayer, even up here in the hillsides. Even though it used to be dug in bunkers, uh, they still have the call to prayer up here in the oak hills of Nabatia. So, so we're going into another bunker here. So this is a bunker, this is dug in to this part of the hillside. So we're heading towards a, a gun, a sniper position painted facing israeli outpost so so israel was there they retreated from the coast first into more inland outposts right and and this is when the fighting got interesting Sure.
1: sure.
0: yeah more difficult more difficult for israel yeah so we're gonna head up the stairs up out of this bunker and there's hundreds of dug-in gun positions which is kind of amazing like an operation itself. So th- is it this bunker here? This one. So this is a, this is cement reinforced. I'd say concrete. I'd say about nine inches of concrete reinforced with an L shaped entrance. And uh whoa, <laughs> there we are. <laughs> so and this is a, I don't know what kind of Doshka I think. Doshka. It's a Russian Russian gun, right? Not of- I'm not sure either. I can't read it but
1: so it's The the out, on the hills,
0: basically. So the range, the range of this gun is probably about. Um, uh, um, meter to, I don't know. A thousand, a thousand meters or Couldn't something be. like that. Yeah. Sure. Looks pretty powerful. But, wow, this is uh, amazing. What you, can you read Arabic? What does this say on the wall down here?
1: kinda of, It's a verse from Quran. Okay the God has shoot not only the person, but God will direct the shooting.
0: God will, God will direct the shooting. Excellent. Well, I guess if you've got God helping you with targets, you're doing pretty good. It's a pretty amazing sight, but what a feat of engineering, basically. You know, in itself is pretty incredible. Sun is coming directly through a slit in the bunker, which is basically so I can see if the sun rises and so sets. So at sunset, the sun is coming directly uh, into this bunker, basically. Interesting. Very interesting. This is, this is on a placard uh, just outside the bunker up uh, here at Melita, and the headline is: "This is the Liberation Field." So, the resistance adopts this defensive strategy. The weapons of resistance, embraced by the nation and the national army, can liberate the land and protect the homeland. And then it says, "The most noble of people." In 2000, following. Consecutive and painful strikes by the resistance, the enemy's leadership found itself forced to prepare a special scenario to withdraw from South Lebanon. This withdrawal scenario aimed to achieve some security gains for the Zionist entity, as well as create a special status for the Army of Collaborators. Yet, the events that happened between the 21st and the 24th of May were not what the enemy had expected. Residents of the occupied territories, along with the resistance fighters, broke through the enemy barricades, checkpoints, and outposts. This resulted into a quick retreat by the collaborators and an even quicker withdrawal by the occupation soldiers of Israel. For the first time in history... Of the Arab-Israeli conflict, an Arab land was liberated, and hostages were freed by the acts of a popular armed resistance. This happened without any conditions and without favor from anyone. It's a pretty incredible story, first ever. So these these are um, are those are those anti-aircraft. Or are they not mortars. Anti-
1: this not no. I think were not only. they were not anti craft uh, missiles. were. I think they were Katusha missiles. Katusha. I think so. Yeah.
0: And so those are, those are the original, yeah,
1: the same original.
0: the same ones they the used. The old
1: ones, not the new sophisticated ones.
0: From think. the nineteen nineties or
1: yes, 18, yeah. 1980s or nineteen
0: nineties. Well, so they. So do they? Do they know do, how many? This
1: people? was a medical.
0: It's like a medical triage, field, yeah. field hospital. Yes. Do they know? So, how many? Do they know the numbers of how many people died during the fighting? Uh, I know there's three different times, three different yes. from the nineties till two thousand six. But um, did thousands? You mean innocent people? Uh, soldiers.
1: I don't have this number, but for sure, thousands of innocent people, civilians, mm-hmm. by the Israeli bombing. And For the resistance, I think also thousand, but not so huge number. Like, I don't have the, exa- the exact number, but, uh, the, the, but not less than two thousand. The
0: information, uh, uh, concierge told me there are four million cluster bombs still, uh, all over uh, all, over,
1: all uh, thousand territories, yes, after 2006. Oh,
0: yeah, and, and so, still
1: working out to dig it out, but it's difficult because sometimes after heavy rain the cluster bomb will move, especially in this kind of steep mountains. You never tell where it's now. But if, if
0: Israel dropped them, wouldn't Israel have records of all their bombing missions? They, they?
1: had, but they didn't give it. They
0: didn't give the the authorities, yeah. even the UN.
1: They didn't give. Even the MAG. No, yes, they didn't. And that's why... That would make it easy to clean up, yes, though, right? They didn't give the maps and the, uh, yeah. the records. And that's why today we have some kind of hidden enemy which is the cluster bomb you, from time to time you hear that a certain child has lost his leg because he stepped in the cluster bomb into a certain field next to his house yeah yeah he told
0: me there was an incident in a couple of uh um, yes, um, some months ago yes yeah
1: we still have it
0: yeah yeah this is a very vicious weapon unfortunately made in u.s yep okay, so that was uh that was uh sort of getting getting out of the sort of the oak forest there and uh, back up to the main site at Melita uh, It's quite extraordinary uh what they put together there um, it's It's definitely interesting it's something that uh it, it from an informational point of view I did pick up a lot and uh, you know I've been to Omaha Beach in Normandy and that's sort of the the closest thing i've seen' to kind of a live war sort of uh preserved war battlefield if you will um and I've been up to some other sites civil war sites in America uh, when I was younger but this one was uh you know pretty current <laughs> i mean imp- i i encourage anybody to 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 try to go and visit uh up there if they get an opportunity it's definitely uh, Worth the the, uh, the journey. Now, after that, we drove uh, to another point, even further inland, or sort of closer to the uh, to the sort of um, where the, the three countries meet: Syria, Lebanon, and Israel. And this is an old Crusader castle, Beaufort Castle, and uh, so this is a huge fortress uh, at the citadel. So this is part within Nabatia in southern Lebanon and uh it's it's about I'd say uh, it's about a kilometer uh to the southeast of the village of uh Arnun. and this a uh, pretty impressive uh fortification so b- before it was captured by Fulk king of Jerusalem in eleven thirty nine and uh on and construction of the Crusader castle began soon after that so Saladin, Saladin uh, captured uh Beaufort in 1190, uh, uh, and then 60 years later, the Crusaders then retook it. And then in 1268, uh, the Sultan um, Baybars or Baybars, uh, captured the castle. So it's changed hands uh, many, many times. And so uh, uh, shkif, shkif means Castle of the High Rock or uh, High Rock in, in Aramaic. Um, which is the, the real native tongue uh, in this part of the world. So Beaufort, uh, it provides one of the few cases where a medieval castle uh, proved of military value and utility and also in modern warfare. So as in late 20th century history shows, Israel then retook this very castle and used it as a surveillance uh, center. So incredible position, uh, beautiful. I mean, you can see the Sheba Farms um no, and no surprise why Israel hasn't uh, let go of that piece of land this is one of the most fertile farming uh, best soil in the world uh, it's it's a beautiful red soil and you can throw throw anything in the ground here and it grows basically so uh but this is Beaufort Castle i look, look, look down and it overlooks the Latani River and uh if you remember this is what uh i think I think israel called the uh the one of their military operations was operation Latani. So fully intended to take, uh, to, to take, or somehow get access to this river. Um, another water source, uh, for Israel. Uh, so unfortunately that didn't happen for them. Um, but it is interesting. It is an interesting place. Now we're up here at Beaufort and I'm going to listen. we we'll are listen to this. We're up on the Citadel now and, uh, Listen to our, our, our journey up the hill. So right now we're, we're at Beaufort Castle, so I'm on top of the citadel. Uh, it's just outside uh, Nabatea in South Lebanon, and so we are in a crusader castle. Right now I'm standing uh, probably two miles uh, from an Israeli settlement. I can see it. Uh, there's a wall surrounding it, and it's been fortified. We're in Lebanon, basically, but where I'm standing was occupied uh, only a few years ago. So this was a castle, it's a crusader castle that was uh, in ruins. It's been restored now, but it was, was occupied by the IDF. Complete strategic uh, superiority up here, 360 degrees. I'm looking right now uh, towards uh, the Sheba Farms right across. This is a contested uh, piece of land. And then over that, although the clouds are covering Mount Hernan, this, that's the Golan Heights essentially on the other side of that so this is uh, yeah, although it seems calm now there was a time not so long ago where uh, lots of shots and rockets and bullets and aircraft were uh, people were fighting each other here namely Hezbollah and uh, the Israelis so incredible looking down at the Latani River right now it's just below me it's about, it's about probably a mile mile down, but uh, yeah, great source of fresh water, something that's in short supply, and uh, in Israel, so I can see the attraction of wanting to occupy and perhaps commandeer, take over, annex this piece of South Lebanon, so, but um, I'm with my, uh, my friend and guide here, so you said that uh, because of it, something about international law regarding this river was an important point, Uh, With regards to being able to take.
1: This Litani River springs from nearby the city of Baalbek in the Bekaa Valley.
0: That's a long way away.
1: Yes, and it crosses around 165 kilometers through the Lebanese territories and drops out uh, nearby the city of Sur or Tir in the southern part of Lebanon. So uh, this river never crosses, has never crossed the uh, borders, so Israel cannot pretend that they have any right in this river or using the, some portion of this river this is purely 100% Lebanese river according to the international law regarding the water sources
0: and that would have been a huge advantage if they were still occupying is to have control of that at you know at a, where, it, where it empties out
1: this so was a major reason of the invasion even though when, when they have invaded invaded lebanon in 1978 the military operation was named the Litania operation the reason was behind was they said they declared they want to kick out the palestinian refugees or palestinians plo resistance from lebanon but the real cause of this invasion was to put their hands over these sources of this uh, rich area which is mainly the black or let's say the white gold which is the Water, fresh water. Yes, yes.
0: it's in huge sor- short supply sure. in Israel, and so the IDF occupied this castle right now where we're standing.
1: This is the, one of the strategic locations because the altitude here is around 900 meters, and as you can see here, it's it, you can have a 360 degree view all around. So it's naturally built over a cliff rocky cliff so it's uh, let's say 60 percent of this castle is naturally protected so and it, it overlooks the whole area with the an angle of 360 degrees so it has a very important military and strategic location for the israelis
0: this is incredible up here i mean you have at least visibility this way i would say 20 miles uh 15 miles here and i don't know 30 miles that way and over the mountains to the golan heights that's see the sea side. Can see the sea, so I can see the goal, the edge of the Golan Heights, and the Mediterranean.
1: Without having the, the clouds over there, you can see the highest point in Lebanon, which is the Mount Hermon, 2,814 2, meters above the sea level, and which is the highest point, the second highest mountain in Lebanon. And uh, Mount Hermon is a mutual point between Lebanon, Syria, and Palestine, or so called today Israel. The Syrian side is called Golan Heights. The Lebanese side of Mount Hermon is called Sheba Farms. And the Israelis, they will never let these farms easily because, first of all, during the occupation, they used it as a source for water. It's almost every, all over the years, uh, It's uh, mounted by uh, snow. So it's a rich water reservoir. At the same time, they have constructed and made the infrastructure for sea resorts over there. How, they, how can they give up something that brings money and dollars for them?
0: So, right now, so I can see an Israeli settlement, I can see the wall, and I can probably... they seating themselves. So, it's... So, afraid of, <laughs> of the <love> fighters. <laughs> so, right now, if I can see the Israelis right now, they can see me, probably. They're, 100%. They're, they're probably watching us. Are they listening to us right now?
1: Probably. Most probably, yes. Yeah. Using the American technology.
0: <laughs> Hello, uh, IDF. I uh, hope you're having a nice day. Uh, it's certainly beautiful over here on the Lebanese side. So... <laughs> It's uh, absolutely incredible. All right. Moving on. Thank you. Okay. So that was, uh, that was the sort of last stop of that trip uh, down south. I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world. It, it, the sad part is, you know, the, the, a lot of blood has been spilt uh, in this part of the world. And it's not about uh, religion. It, I'm sorry. But it's about land, it's about material goods, it's about property, it's about water. Uh, it Yes, there is geopolitics involved. We can talk about that, and we have uh, but at the end of the day uh once again most most wars are not fought uh, for religion they 're fought for things land, property, goods, gold, booty, all the rest of it oil <laughs> gas so it's it's it is about things and it 's about property and money at the end of the day, so sad. Sad, but it's history, and uh, and so we got a little bit of a glimpse into that, and I was gonna, I, I'm happy to share that with our our listeners that experience. Uh, I've never done that before, actually, never sort of taken and recorded sort of on the fly. Uh, I think it, I think it was good. I think it came out pretty good. So, but uh, that was sort of concluded that part of the journey. Uh, so we uh, we've got a little bit left here uh, for the Sunday wire. We're going to take probably take a short break and uh, hopefully connect our next guest basil valentine we will be online we'll do some hard international news after this commercial break i'm your host patrick Henningsen. this is the sunday wire stick around we'll be right back better stronger faster